Hey everybody, this is David Burge, Vice President for Enrollment Management at George Mason University, and you are listening to the Alp. Wow. Now that, Did I do it right? Did I how did I did I do okay? Gosh, that, is, that was just great. It was, um, it was like literally I took no license with the script at all. I did exactly what you told me. Which is what I expect. And this is all staying in the show. Welcome to the Alp, the Admissions Leadership Podcast, a series of one-on-one -on -one conversations with people who have been climbing the leadership mountain in college admissions. You know how this goes. If you've been listening to this show, you know that the rest of this is somewhere nearing the summit, somewhere already there, but how do they get there and what can other climbers learn from their mindsets, habits, and experiences? Uh, see, you've already got me started off on the right foot, David. I, I'm Well, I am, I am right-handed. So I suppose that makes sense. Oh man, we're going to do this, aren't we? Okay, we are. We are going to do this. The season of corn and cheese. <laughs> um, well, that's that's really more your region than mine. Um, um, but I, mine is the of of wine, and um, I I don't know what else Virginia might be known for. Maybe well, Virginia is for lovers. It's for lovers. It, it, Virginia is for everything. If you, I tell you what, they take that Virginia is. Mm -hmm. And they run it into the ground. Virginia, Virginia is for lovers. Virginia is for business. Virginia is for camping. Uh, it's it's too much. And we Virginia, can't be that good at everything. Virginia is for Burge. <laughs> Virginia is for Burge for eight years now. Uh -huh. Virginia, we might call it, right? Ooh, I love it. Have you used that yet? You know what? I, and not only have I not used it, um, I it hasn't even occurred to me. But now it's the only thing I'm going to say. You're welcome. Moving forward, you're welcome. <laughs> can you can you verbally get, assign me the rights to that so I don't uh, so I don't have to I pay think royalties? This, is, this actually works as a legal document. I think. Okay, good, mm -hmm. good. I'm sure somebody will probably let me know that it doesn't. But let's just say it does. Hey, Agreed. Welcome to the Alp, Mr. President. I'm so excited to be here. I like Come this on. is not I'm not trying to blow up your ego, but I remember the first time I listened to you and it was about I, I want to say four or five years ago. I can't remember precisely how long. And it was it was uh, Liz Sharon's episode. Oh, one of, really? the, and and it was I remember listening to it in South Korea while traveling. Uh, and, and I just, I consumed it and I loved it. So oh, just know right. that I'm Thank you. long, long time listener, first time guest on the yeah. program. We'll, we'll, we'll make it easy on you. We'll make this, but no, thanks for, thanks for listening. I appreciate oh, yeah. that. Um, and, and I can see where people are listening from. So you must've been the one from South Korea in that particular <laughs> episode. Well, I kind of hope that perhaps I was just the first, and now you have a large following yes. of admissions representatives from South Korea. One can only hope. One you and BTS hope. are wildly popular <laughs> on the continent. And that is the first and probably last time that we will be mentioned in the same breath. But again, <laughs> I, you can be my hype man any day. And speaking <laughs> of hype man, let me be yours for a sec by congratulating you on this year's Margaret E. Addis Service to NACAC Award. Uh, well, thank you. That's awesome. Which, and for folks who don't know that, and I'm lifting right from NACAC's page here, that it recognizes NACAC members for their commitment to ensuring ethical practices while providing unique and outstanding service to the association. Um, so it was so kind. That was that, that. I tell you, I felt like I'm. It felt great. It's funny because I, I got a note from um, Angel mm -hmm. Perez's admin, mm -hmm. and it was very cryptic, and it mm -hmm. simply read, There's Angel would like to, well, right, it's like, <laughs> hey, Angel wants to talk to you, and I'm like, oh, Angel wants to talk to me, well, my goodness, and and I and I said, well, I'm available now, I'm available in an hour, you know, you tell me when, and, and I thought for, I mean, I didn't know what to expect, and I thought for sure it was just sort of a, 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 a check-in call, right, and then, and my wife is the one who said, no, I think you probably, probably got some award. And I said, that's absurd. Like what I, I honestly, I said that to her. I'm like, I don't think that that's accurate. And, and then it was, and then he shared the news with me and I was very yeah. flattered and, and grateful. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I got one of those calls from Angel about the, when they were kind enough to recognize the, the podcast. Um, but same right. thing, like, what's he calling about? What could this be? Did I Indeed. <laughs> it's, it's oddly, 
Um, and like I, I've known Angel for a long time. Of course, I, you I have. would consider Angel a friend, and yet I, at the moment that they said Angel wants to talk to you, I almost felt in trouble. I thought, like, oh no, principal. Why office. would it? Right. Well, I think it's because it wasn't him reaching out. It was, you know, the, right. the staff there. And I thought, okay, well, what did I do? What do I need to? Yeah. But it, of course, that was far from it. And and it isn't it isn't it interesting, right? And you can probably relate to this. I I, I don't know how you reacted when you were. Uh, I, sc- I screamed. Well, <laughs> I I I did. It's it's very interesting because I I don't often think of myself that way. Sure. Um, and now don't get me wrong. I love recognition and I love, <laughs> well, at least you're honest. Uh, right. I, I mean, I, that validation of it all is quite fulfilling, but I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm a certain degree uncomfortable in those moments because I don't know everything from where to hold my hands or, or how to look or, uh, you know, and, and then, but, but it was, I actually, in all honesty, came back and I, I teared up a little when I was telling my wife about it because I just, I felt you don't do it for those reasons, but when they come, you yeah. just, you have to kind of soak it up a little. Wow. It's well-earned. When was your presidential cycle? So I was, um, I began in 2016 and, uh, so the presidential cycle itself is just three years, 16, 17, right. 18, but then you have the, the lovely honor of chairing the governance nominating committee in year four. So right. I concluded my official service right as the pandemic was starting. In fact, we were meeting in Arlington at the NACAC offices for a two-day meeting the same day they shut down the NBA and oh, sort of the, the yeah. unaf- and Tom Hanks was announced yeah. to have COVID, right? Like yeah. this was the day that like the world said, this is real, this is happening. And, and I, I texted uh, my good friend, Stephanie Niles, who oh. was the pr- president immediately after I was. And during the meeting, and I said, should we send everybody home? Because I don't, you know, we, you remember those days, we didn't know what the heck was going on. And, yeah. and it was it going to be the, the film contagion, or was it going to be, uh, you know, this a two week sabbatical and and she's the one she offered me great advice and she's like yeah i think it's a that's a good idea i know i would like to go home and be with my family and we'd send everybody home yeah uh, that day um it was uh i don't know where i was gonna go with that i think i'm still gobsmacked whenever we talk about the pandemic because it just takes me right back to that moment agreed um it's very it's very it can be very triggering um yeah yeah Whenever we talk about that, I'm immediately kind of taken back to those yeah. moments of fear and anxiety and yeah. not knowing what was going to happen. Um, now seems, we have the benefit of hindsight. Yeah, it's, it seems like forever ago, but it's omnipresent as a memory. Agreed. Just, Agreed. Yeah, it's strange. It's strange. I think, and I'm sure that's <laughs> the same for everybody, and they're experiencing it maybe in different ways. But um, on, on to pleasanter topics. Um, sure. If you'll permit me to make pleasanter into a comparative. <laughs> Adjective? That's strange. Hey, it's your show, man. I'm just here. I just I just work here. Well, I know I'm talking to an English major uh, here, so yes, you are. I just I, I beg your forgiveness, but I too am an English major, and so we we can do terrible things with language. Uh, yes, we can, and I'll I'll one up you on that one, my friend. I I am the son, the only son, the only child of a grammar professor. Oh, what? Well, then I have to ask a really important question here. Um, the Oxford comma. I, hey, you know what? There are just some topics that are the third rail mm-hmm. of of grammar. And I, and I think that's it. Second only, perhaps, to do you put one space or two spaces after a period these never, days? Because never. You don't. We're not using typewriters anymore. <laughs> See? You and I, we're going to have to agree to disagree on this one because I can't shake it. I, I, I refuse to only put one space and I, I know I need to change and evolve, but I can't, you know, how computers work, right? Like the, (laughs) it, it actually calculates a slightly longer, wider space than a single space, whether you're using Google docs or Microsoft Word. did you know that? I didn't know that actually. See this program even educates the guests. <laughs> and so that's thank you. one to grow on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I may get a note from somebody saying, no, Ken, that is not true. That's actually not what happens. But um, I, I'm, I'm going to touch the third rail, Oxford comma. Uh, do we use it or do you not use it? 
I, I do. I use it. Actually, okay. Yeah, I do. I agree. It never hurts. It never hurts, but its absence can. Uh, agreed that I find that I, um, I get into enough um, trouble with my language choices when I'm using syntax and punctuation correctly. I don't need to invite that sort of, of drama there. Now, uh, I forgive me for not remembering this. Do you, do you have kids yourself? I Ken? do. Yeah. I've got two of them. In fact, one okay. of them is working upstairs right now because now that we live out in Denver, he's more interested in visiting us than when we lived in Appleton. Strange. Shocking. Yeah. Weird that way. Uh -huh. Well, I, I have a, uh, I have a 15, well, I have three children. I've got a 20 year old, uh, 18 year old and the 15 year old who I'm going to talk about now. And he sent me a text the other day and that text had literally zero punctuation in it. It, it contained perhaps four or five sentences, which is lengthy mm -hmm. for a text. Okay. And I, I, I walked and I was in the house and he was texting me. And while I was in another part of the house, I literally walked upstairs and I said, you will never do that to me again. I need uh, punctuation to simply survive. Wow. Wow. Uh, maybe you've got yourself a budding young, you know, Faulknerian writer who likes. Oh, to my just, gosh. Right. And suddenly As, this is like a way with words. That's what this podcast has become. Right. I like it. I've often thought that as I lay dying needed a sequel and perhaps <laughs> it's a spoken perhaps he's version. the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, good grief. You know, yeah, like nobody just, listening to the show is going to laugh at that. <laughs> like you, you and I are like, Oh my God, we just made a deep Faulkner cut. We did. I'm not going to Yoknabatafa or however you pronounce it. <laughs> Yoknabatafa. Uh -uh. Oh my gosh. I love it. Yeah. Where do we go from here? Good grief. Good grief. I don't know. Grief's not Have even we even started? Have... That's, a, that's a wonderful existential question. Yes, we have started. <laughs> hey there, just a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back. Our sponsor, by the way, is me and my colleagues at RHB. I, uh, I joined RHB in May 2022, really excited about the prospect of working with smart and innovative experts who are dedicated to helping institutions achieve greater relevance. And one of the ways we do that is through RHB Academies, which empower enrollment professionals looking to blend strategy with technology to create better experiences for the students they recruit and retain. Our next RHB Academy, hosted at Claremont McKenna College in Southern California, focuses on the critical time between recruitment and retention. We call it Deposit to Day One. This half-day session on November 17th is designed for enrollment professionals regardless of their level of Slate expertise. It follows a full-day, highly technical Slate session also offered by my RHB colleagues. During our time together, RHB's best-in-class Slate and Related Technology team and I will give you practical ways to help you foster a sense of belonging for students from the time they say yes to your offer of admission all the way through their first days at your institution. At this RHB Academy, you can expect a few things, like learning how cohering your communications from recruitment to the first stages of retention can create better onboarding experiences for your students. You'll understand how Slate can be leveraged as an integrated system for your institution to support your new students. And you'll learn how to equip student-facing staff and faculty with reports and data to help rally purpose and focus around student success. Space is limited to ensure an engaging environment, and I encourage you to register today for the half-day session in sunny Southern California on November 17th. And you can do so right on our main page at RHB. Com. Now back to the show. Um, so with no segue whatsoever, other than just saying that, um, I, I want to turn back the clock a little bit to when you blew my mind uh, at the NACAC conference. I don't remember what year it was um, when you were describing the advanced partnership uh, between uh, Northern Virginia Community College and George Mason. Um, right just fiercely scribbling notes saying, why doesn't every college do something like this? Especially the one I'm representing at this time. Um, right. For folks who maybe aren't familiar with it, and I know you were instrumental in getting this thing to happen. Could you describe a little bit about what, what it is? Of course. Um, so the advance partnership between George Mason University and Northern Virginia Community College is about five years old. 
And it is an intensive shared services model for students who begin their studies at the community college with intent on earning a four-year degree. Now, before we get into sort of the program benefits, I think most of the folks who are listening to this understand that when when students go into the community college, fewer than 20% of them make it out and through a four-year institution, meaning it's, it's it's a treacherous path full of challenges. These students are often not children of privilege uh, and and therefore arguably need additional support, not less support in order to be successful. So, and that's what this program assumes is that, that in order for students intent on transferring to navigate some of our insane processes, one, the processes have to become more rational. Mm-hmm. And two, even with rational processes, they need a guide. And So we've embraced a couple of things as part of this program. The first is it's open to everybody. It's not an application. Students simply declare that they are going to enter this program. Now to maintain participation in it, certain milestones and minimum academic thresholds obviously have to be met, but they're done in concert with a success coach, which is the the sort of the second program attribute. We have a, a hybrid group of success coaches. Some of them are based at Northern Virginia Community Colleges. Some of them are based at Mason, but they all work with the students, not only while they're at NOVA, but also when they're at Mason. So it's sort of one point of contact throughout. We don't make them fill out a bunch of additional forms after they're in the program. So the admissions application is automatically submitted when they make a transfer. They, they're, 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 Transcript itself comes over without having to take too much action. And and then it's really about simply kind of coexisting, meaning when they join the program, first 60 hours are at Nova and the last 60 hours are Mason, but they can take credits at Mason immediately and they can go back and take credits at Nova once they've transferred to Mason. Oh, it's they, they get a Mason ID. They can go to, to Mason events, the Mason gymnasium, Mason um, counseling and psychological services. Uh, they they have access to the full academy from day one. Well, and um, the, the the thing too that I I love is just the clarity and the and the smoothness of the path. Like right. students students know what they need to do. There, there's no secret about what credits are coming in. Um, you know how long it's. I mean, one of the things where colleges often bobble the ball when they're bringing transfer students in is the lack of transparency in, in right. credits and, and, and how much more time it's going to take to graduate. And, and this just seems like such a, such a brilliant uh, approach to making it a, a sane process, a humane process for, for students right. to, to find a pathway all the way through to a, a bachelor's degree. Well, that was the intent, and I appreciate that, the, the kind description. And, and it's producing value in, in that we've got, you know, I think we have close to 2,500 students that are either in or through the program here after the five-year mark. Uh, it, 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 and so it's, 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 and, and to this, to the you know, administrators out there who are already seeing the problems in this approach, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the real trigger on this is that to understand that it will initially reduce your transfer numbers because it incentivizes students to stay at the community college until they've got to that 60 credit hour mark. And and that's actually, in this case, better for the student because it drives down the student cost in right. doing so. Right. And and then the the student can can come to Mason and, and to me the the I think I know I'm a big fan of this word, but the leakage, the credit leakage that yeah. happens in under normal transfer where you know students have taken in some cases, as many as 15 credit hours that aren't going to count towards their degree. I mean, right. that is, that's, that's tragic. That, that increases the cost. Loss. Yeah, it, exactly. This guarantees, I mean, we, we start with this concept of a declaration, not an application, as I mentioned. So the yeah, student declares, yeah. I'm into it. And then we say, great, we're into you. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's write down what we both agree to at the beginning, meaning these mm. are the courses you will take. These are the credits that you will earn. And if you do all of this, even if we change our mind, we promise that you will be able to get credit for, for the, we're, we're contractually agreeing to it because that's like, that's what, what people who don't work in credit evaluation or curriculum development 
don't understand is that these things change more often than, than we imagine them to. Right. And when we make a change in English 101, we then all of a sudden have to expect the world to adapt to us of course. To now in order for us to accept their credits. That takes time. And here we're saying, okay, first of all, we're going to give you grace if you're in our, this advanced program, if you've taken a previous version of English 101. And then secondly, we're, we're going to actually proactively communicate that to your advising community so they can start making better suggestions to their yeah. students. So You had me at grace. <laughs> right? I mean, no, I mean, that's, I think quite often, I, I know we would struggle with this notion of, well, we're not going to take that course from that institution because what we have at ours is proprietarily much more significant than what, what right. we have. It's like, I mean, sure. Yes, we have our secret sauce. We, we make our own things and, and we add our own value to it. But can we lean more towards grace and understanding uh, and, and making it easier for students who want to come to our institution to finish to do so? Right. That, that's to me, and I, I use this example often about how you know, if I was to poll 100 higher ed professionals and ask them, are you student-centered in your organization? All 100 would likely say, yes, they are. Oh, you bet. I then say, you know, define student-centered and you probably have 50 different answers. Mm -hmm. that, and, mm -hmm. and, and the approach that you just laid out, the lack of grace, is, is an example of, of being institutionally focused. That's right. And not student-focused. Right, yeah. There's. I think it was, was it Rick Clark who was talking about even just the language we use in, in higher, mm -hmm. it, uh, the, um, anything that ends in R, A-R, um, registrar, bursar, things like that. Right. Do an audit for those in your language and, and see if that's uh if you have a prevalence of those, you might want to reconsider the way you talk to students because that's an institutional, an institution centered place. I'm sure I'm getting it wrong, but I remember there was a, you know, maybe to have an R czar on your campus, right, I guess right. kind of, uh, in a meta way that doesn't work. You'd have to be called something else. I, I love that. Is, and is, is, is Rick the, the Socrates of our organization? Like, like I feel like he's the philosopher. The Socrates. Uh, I think he's us. the Socrates. Of... He is. He, he, he may not dress or look like it, but he certainly sounds like it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So shout out to Rick Clark. Hello there. Absolutely. Big fan. Yeah. Um, so you were launching, if I'm doing my math right-ish, you were getting ready to launch Advance kind of in the midst of your presidency. Were you not? The Correct. Presidency? It, was, it was actually during my um, actual presidential year. Okay. How do you do that? <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. Great I mean, question. Just thinking about thinking about capacity, right? Especially as so many of us are struggling with the, uh, I don't have time. I don't have energy. Um, you know, how do you how do you find the time? How do you find the energy to do the significant work required of a VP for enrollment management? And oh, by the way, this little thing of a NACAC presidency or any other sort of significant uh, service work. How do you make it right. work? That's a great question. And, and I'll tell you, when I would tell people in the profession of my role at NACAC, they, many of them would respond and say, I don't know how people can work full time and do this, yeah. uh, do this well. And, and it, it was a challenge. And, and I, I got to own that to any, and, and I'm, I'm talking right now to anybody who might be listening to this and contemplating service, do it, 100% do it. Don't think, do it, but know that it has consequences. Mm. And, and our work generally would take me on the road, um, my, just for my day job at Mason, would take me on the road for 20 or more nights per year. Mm -hmm. just, just to do board service back in those days, I, I would add an additional 20 just to do that type of work. Right. And so, and, and when you're the president, which is now called the board chair, uh, it is, you have a different level of obligation because um, one, people don't necessarily observe those boundaries of a volunteer leadership position. And I'm not <laughs> saying they should, right. but, but whether it's on Facebook oh and gosh, getting yes. knocked around a little bit on yep. Facebook or whether it's just somebody who has a beef 
who um, wants to email me um, and say, hey, can you fix this little thing about check-in at the, you know, the Detroit College Fair? It's like, nah, like that's, I'm going to refer you to staff in those situations. And, and that's really the truth is the staff makes that all work. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I was best and most useful when I was able to facilitate a conversation between a bunch of really smart people. Not, not that dissimilar to what you're doing here, except, you know, I realize I just backdoor bragged and called myself a really smart person, but, but you get what I'm saying here. I'll allow it. And thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> right now, everybody listening is shouting. It's like, all right, Burge, we get it. Wow. You're a smart person. Wow. Yeah. And you saw that coming. Like you set that entire thing up like five minutes ago. Well done. I did. I was, I, mm-hmm. I wanted you to ask this question just for this moment. I, and I didn't uh, even know I wanted to ask it until I felt <laughs> this movement in my mind. How did you do that? Uh, it's, it's, it, I assume you've seen the movie Inception. It's kind of, kind of like that. Okay. Okay. And this got weird now, again. People are like, my God, who are these people? These are deep cuts. We got Faulkner. We got Nolan. Uh, who knows where we're going next on this? Well, I'm sure you'll put yeah. it into my mind. So keep going. Now I got some, when I was, I, I will tell you, I had several conversations when I was contemplating running for the board presidency. And, uh, and, and one of those was, uh, of, with my work wife if you will, that phrase, if, if you'll allow that. And, and I, I asked her, like, do you think this is a good idea? And she said, look, we take care of each other around here. And mm. you are going to have to do more outside of Mason for a little bit. And we are going to help you do that. Because in the end, good for you. you know, my service at Mason was made better because of my experience at NACAC. I, I, to be for the record, I also had the same conversation with my wife, wife before saying yes. And, and of course she was, as she always is incredibly supportive and encouraging mm-hmm. of me in my mm-hmm. career, even though I don't think she fully appreciated just how much it was going to, going to have to take of my time and, and my emotional energy, which was non-significant oh, yeah. I, or non-trivial. How did you, did you have to, um, I'm, I'm getting into nuts and bolts, like to find time, but also to take time for yourself. Yeah. That's was cool. there any of that? Yeah, I, there was for sure. I mean, that's right? a binary. I made that a binary back into a yes or no, but <laughs> what, well, you know where I'm going. Yeah. How do, how does one create time? Yeah. What does time look like when, when, when you're in that? And, and, and the, there, there was a, an extraction of cost. Uh, of mm-hmm. my personal time. And, and that's why if you don't enjoy the people of NACAC, which yeah. which I know it's just so silly and cliche to say, which is my favorite part of the organization right. are, are the characters. Uh, yeah. and It's a massive and, and, family and we fight, but we're everywhere. That's right. It is, a, the, the family analogy is perfect because we, someone, some might look at a membership meeting and say, oh my God, these people don't, they really don't like each other very much. When the truth of the matter is we, we like each other. We just love the work and are passionate about the yeah. work yeah. Um, every bit as much. Yeah. Uh, and so, so getting to the, the highlight of the experience is getting to work with people I never would have been able to work with doing jobs that I didn't understand before I did the, the assignment and, and coming out of it with a series of, I always, I've heard people say this and it's totally true, sort of lifelong friendships mm-hmm. um, with people. And I, I think about it, right? Like, so I surrounded myself with people like Nancy Bean, yeah. um, who, who is just such a, like, I learned so much bend, from bend the knee. her. Bend the knee, I, Nancy Bean. 100, gladly and always. Uh, and, and people like Chris Reeves. Um, you know, it was all really wonderful to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had a, you, what a group. So coming out of the other side of the presidency, so you came out with lifelong friends, et cetera. Did it change the way when you were able to go back full focus into your day job? Did it, how did it change if it changed the way you approach that work? Yeah. So, so when doing something that time intensive and emotionally intensive can't help, but, um, kind of leave a mark on you in a good way. But when it's gone, you feel its absence. It's very similar oh, yeah. to to ending grad school, right? I remember when when I finished grad school, I looked at my wife and I said, I don't even know how I'm going to fill my time these days. <laughs> because, <laughs> right, you know, grad school just kind of consumes you there for right. a minute. And as did the, the NACAC assignment. And 
And and then of course <laughs> you realize that you've been sort of setting things down for a minute in order to do this. You you you're you're delegating more. You can take some of that back if you know. And I and I got to be kind of selective about that to say, you know, these are the things that are working well that I'm that I they don't need me to work well. And in fact, one of the biggest professional realizations I made as a, a middle-aged person is I don't always make things better. I sometimes mm. make things a little bit worse by interfering and and mm. and whatnot. And so I, I I there are things that I was doing that I stopped doing and some new things that I was able to pick up with my extra capacity. Mm. Did um, you have a like advance? Yeah. Okay. Did you have a moment where you realize that like Hey, I I remember when I was at Lawrence, I would occasionally accuse myself of uh, splashing the boat. Like you had the image of a, you know, boats cruising along and then a whale comes by and, oh, look, here it comes. And then it just knocks everything off course. That was, that was, <laughs> right. and it became sort of a thing. Ken's just, Ken just splashed the boat. Um, usually it had to do with a communication plan or some sort of, you know, whatever. But what, did you have a moment like that where... You realized, yeah, I look at all these poor people on this boat that are now capsizing. <laughs> well, not you to know, make it I, that, not to make it that dramatic. It's descriptive for sure. What you just said, I, I, I will, I'll tell you this. I, you know, we were heads down from the fall of seventeen mm. until my till the end of my time on the board proper, dealing with this Department of Justice inquiry. What are you talking in, about? I totally wiped <laughs> that from my mind, I, and and I would too if I if I could. But it was it was all consuming. We, perhaps to our own detriment, did attempt to continue to move the organization forward in other ways, but were were unsuccessful in some because it was such a big deal to oh, yeah. deal with a, a federal inquiry. But I, I remember set, setting that down. Um, and yet still feeling a sense of, I don't know if, if ownership is the right choice of word, but I wanted, I wanted to see it through all the way to the end. And the first time that, that Stephanie, you know, her name appeared on the updates and I wasn't necessarily attached mm -hmm. to it and, and, and was learning it just along with everybody else. I, I thought to myself like, wow, okay, I'm, I am a ring out now from the, the room where it, it happens, so to speak. And and even though I was in that room and, and in some cases chairing the meeting within that mm -hmm. room, I am now experiencing this like everybody else. And I need to get over my own sense of, of self-importance mm -hmm. in this and, and, and humble myself a little bit. And it, and it, it, it took me a minute. Yeah, but then, yeah. then you go, well, there's benefits to humbling myself because now it's also not my problem. Well, that's true. It's somebody else's problem and, and people who I trust, it's their problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's the letting go of that influence, the direct influence part that right. could be challenging. But, and now we have a Hamilton reference in here too. I mean, well done with the room where it happens. We that. are going where God only knows where we'll go next. I'm hoping for a Simpsons reference somewhere along here because of our should relative we, ages. Should we start singing monorail? Uh, Ooh, there it is. We got it. Okay. What's that word? Mono. <laughs> Am I supposed to finish that for you? <laughs> no, please. No, no that's because again, the few people that are still left listening are probably now their, their <laughs> eyes have rolled all the way back in their heads. Um, since we're on the subject of managing time and et cetera. I, I've started asking folks more, maybe it's in this era of, you know, the, the great resignation I, there. Uh, if that's on your bingo card, you can cover it now. Um, any rituals that you, routines, rituals, things you do to keep yourself fresh? Uh, I, so I have a, a well-oiled and refined early morning process. Oh. And, and I and I say that in the sense of when I was a young man in the early 90s, <laughs> I, I I to catch me awake before 11 or noon was a was a rare day. And and now to catch me asleep after 5 a.m. is a rare day. Really? Uh, and indeed, I and I and I it slowly kind of percolated over time in that 
you know, I think actually it started when I was at Arizona State where I would, we have to live kind of kind of out in the fringes of Phoenix. Well, the cost per square foot there was oh, more goodness. agreeable to us. And, and, and so I would take the shuttle, the, the inner campus shuttle in every morning. And so I, that would take leaving a, very early. Um, and, and so I would, and I came to be reliant on that time, right? Meaning I don't function well in the evenings or late at night. Some of my friends are like, they hop on at 10 PM after they put their kids to bed. And I'm like, I would be worthless at right, that point. Right. So, and it also creates for me, this sanctuary of the evening in that I don't have to fret about work tomorrow because I will start working before almost everybody else. And, and if there is a problem that, that has arisen or that I need to address, I will deal with it in the morning and, and I don't let it creep in. Which, from a mental health management, which is something that I really struggle with, work work life balance in the in the age of um, you know smartphones and oh, yeah. and checking my emails whenever I want. So it allowed me to to shut down uh, my brain and and refocus it later when I'm at my freshest. Okay, okay, that's healthy. Um... Are you getting up at five? Or are you getting up before five? No, see, okay. That, running. I mean, I just wanted to. I get up without benefit of an alarm between 4.30 and five every day. Okay. Now, if there are any medical doctors listening, they're screaming at their device saying, "You sh- that's unhealthy. Go see, a, go get a sleep study done. Um, and, I, and I'm going, you know, I'll, I'm, I'm probably on five or six hours a night, which Ooh. suits me fine. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm not a medical doctor, nor do I play one on TV. And I will not yell at you to get more sleep. You get what you need. But man, that's that's a short that's a lot. That's a short It is. It is is for those of you on your own wellness journeys, do better. <laughs> learn do better from, than Burge. Learn from the Burge. <laughs> um let's learn from the Burge. What's uh occasionally I ask this question too, but what's a big question you're wrestling with these days? How? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I suppose I am wrestling with how to reason with the unreasonable. Ooh. And and specifically, I I have, and I'm going to go up to, I'm going to drive up to the Capitol and and talk to, to talk to the folks up there about it. But, you know, think if you think about this, right? I, when I first got into higher ed in the late, 90s as a professional. I thought that I was the smartest man in the world because I had picked the most stable industry <laughs> that that you could find, right? Like it's like, oh, you know, I, like everybody understands that college is good. Nobody mm-hmm. would ever suggest that someone shouldn't go to college at scale. And and yet here we are where we are being presented with public discourse that is not always informed and 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 facts and uh, are taking back seats to to feelings right. and 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 policy positions and and you have and, and and it's hard to rationalize or it's hard to hard to reason with with folks regardless of your politics this is agnostic to politics by the way this is i would say i've got just as many sort of leftist nut jobs in my orbit as rightist nut jobs in my orbit and and i've got to figure out a way to communicate uh with them in the language that is compelling to them uh when that language is not compelling to me mm-hmm. the language of data the language of of looking at outcomes the language of sort of, of, of a human centered approach I don't know how to have that conversation and 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 demonstrate the value of what we do, which I continue to believe is one of the most important bits of service to society, uh, educating uh, a, a citizenry. Yeah, to be in this place where we're questioning the value. And hey, in higher ed, we teach folks, I think if we're doing it right, we're teaching them to question everything. So Agreed. why not why not question the value of the thing that we're offering? But but to have it just become a political punching bag. Um, you're right. Reasoning with unreasonable people, or maybe just reasoning with people who are choosing not to listen to reason. Uh, right. Makes that makes that prospect difficult. 
but you, so, so you haven't solved it. You're not actually going to be able to go up to the Capitol. I, I, they're not open right now anyway. I don't think. Uh, they're not, there's not much work. To, there's really only one thing they need to be doing right now. And it's, they're having difficulty finding the uh, uh-huh. agreement on that. I, I, which by the way, for those, this, we're recording this during the, uh, the vacant speakership. And uh, if you end up using this section, people are like, what the hell are you talking about? Oh no, they'll but know anyway. because this will drop, this is going to drop uh, next week. Well, as people are listening to it, it'll be last week. Whatever you know. Oh man, the time space continuum has just been broken here. But it's, yeah. bring in bring in Loki. Uh, well, we gotta have, we gotta yeah. figure this out. But right, and there's the Marvel reference. Nicely, there done. it is. Man, you're okay. Um, but no, we're we're about to enter what the third round of voting on whether uh, uh, they're going to find a speaker of the house. Uh, right. Just to, just to plant this moment in time, it'll be interesting to hear what what whether they have solved that problem by the time this episode actually drops. So let's have this be a little time capsule. Indeed. You want to make any? It. Hey, do you want to make any bets on how it comes out? I believe that uh, by the time this episode drops, that there will oh, actually, you know, any joke I'm going to make here is going to get me into such hot water with somebody. So I have no predictions whatsoever, but I'm eagerly awaiting the outcome. Oh, look at you. Wow. Going right to I'm diplomacy. A, <laughs> I'm a politician in this moment. Well, done, uh, well, sir. you know, well, so this is, I mean, I don't want to make any assumptions because I know that your career has lots of private experience. Um, mine has zero, right? <laughs> Um, right. And that's true. So, you, are, you are open to all the sunshine, aren't you? Uh, well, exactly. Like yeah. this, this podcast is now FOIAable um, due to Virginia Commonwealth law, but oh, yeah. it is, it, it, I, I guess it's also, I think just important, regardless of whether someone works publicly or privately, uh, that, that there is, they understand that in this day and age, there's, there is greater accountability for the words that we throw out there, which yeah, might feel sure. glib or in the moment or a, you know, I could easily make a joke about politician X, Y, or Z, but it's it's hard to. Um, it, I feel like there's a greater sense of accountability uh, of that for all of us yeah. that we have to be more more thoughtful. And I, I only wish that that they were uh, as well. Fair, but fair. Uh, but it's true for us. And and a pox on all their houses for not being that way. Right. And there's a Shakespeare reference. We are dropping it right and left. Yeah, we this is the nerd cast today. I I'm I don't know if anybody's gonna like this, but I'm enjoying it immensely. <laughs> Maybe it's just for you and me. Don't release yeah. this, Ken. <laughs> just let you and me get together once a year and listen we'll to this conversation. This. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. You're um, you're a gen you're in the generation X, right? Uh, oh heck yes. Okay. Uh, me too. Firmly and proudly. Yeah, I think I've, probably, well, you graduated undergrad in when? Was it 94? 96. 96. Okay. I'm I'm 92. Um, class of 92. I'm not 92 years old, but. but <laughs> Good. Thank yeah. you for that clarity. So, so, but yeah, no, love Gen X. Um, and I think that Gen X, I feel as though my, my Gen X friends, and they, we are as a group more reliant on references to pop culture than let's say the boomers were. And I, I don't know about the, the millennials and the, and the Gen Z, uh, but, but I feel like at least for my parents, like I communicate in the language of references a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I'm, I'm with that. Um, I'm trying to think if I should drop a Caddyshack reference at this point, but I won't other than I just mm. said it. And so we'll- It's in the hole. It's, it's in the hole. Well, well done. Um, I'm looking at the time and I know you've got a, you, you have an entire state to run there. So I, I would love with your permission, good sir, to transition to the rapid descent. Uh, let's descend. Shall, shall. Yeah. I don't know if we can get any lower than we are right now. <laughs> Put that on the marketing for this particular episode. We, yes, we, we shall. So what, David Burge, is your walkout song? Champions. By Fallout Boy. Okay, um, it's Champion by Fallout Boy. All of a sudden, I feel like I'm like my grandma now, where I misquote some sort of song lyric regularly. Yeah. But yes, Champion. Well, I remember when uh, you know, like when when I was a kid, I loved. Well, and I still do. Van Halen, right? And my mom thought mm-hmm. Van Halen was a guy. Like, oh, you like to listen to him, don't you? <laughs> I sure right. do. I sure do, mom. <laughs> um, he's he's pretty talented. Yeah, he is. So is his brother and the other two guys and whatever. Anyway, so. And whichever lead singer that you happen to. Uh, now, this is important. I'm going to ask you a question. I know it's your your program. David Lee what's Roth. Your, what, 
it's labor. Okay. You yeah. knew where I was going. With oh this. yeah. All yeah. right. Yeah. Even though I was more of age when, when it was Van Hagar, but uh, now David Lee Roth, I mean, yeah. What a, what a showman. He's uh, the OG. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So uh, what's the best thing you've read lately? My email. I, I don't, I will be honest with you. And, and I don't, I'm not proud of this or bragging about this, but I have to be honest about this. I, I don't tend to read a whole lot. I, I read a lot of um, digital content. Okay. I.e. like, you know, in the morning I, I wake up, I I'm obsessed with consuming information on Ukraine. Um, oh, occasionally yeah. I'll get, uh, I'll get really deep in a rabbit hole on the process of politics, which mm-hmm. is why I actually am a little, uh, not obsessed, but, but, very keen on the on this this speaker vote, not because I I feel like I am invested in the outcome as much as I'm invested in watching this very odd governance process unfold. Oh, yeah. Well, I love the, that. And stuff. all the permutations they're playing out. Like, do we go with the speaker pro tem, and, get, and do we go with a coalition? Do I mean, right? This this could have a really fascinating outcome. It's a procedural. Uh, slow moving car wreck. And, and I love the, I, I just sort of kind of consume it. I mean, I, I, and again, I watch it in the same way that I sort of appreciate, uh, you know, fine, fine art, right? Like I, I don't, I don't, it's like, Oh, that's good art or that's bad art. I, every, every, everything has a, um, you know, a perspective to it, yeah. but I am looking at it. Like I, I don't, this process of, of governance is new and different despite the fact that I have an advanced degree and I took civics in high school and, and I'm learning so much just by kind of watching it unfold. Yeah. Like doing it objectively. It's actually, it's fascinating. Yeah. Right. Um, I didn't need to append what you said, what you said works on its own. (laughs) I know that feeling though. Oh man. Splash the boat, Ken. Hey, um, is there some, well, I'm not even going to ask you what you're eager to read next because it'll probably be whatever you open up on your, on your laptop or your, your that's right. Um, what's your favorite thing to make in the kitchen? Uh, Something new. Uh, I have, uh, so what my, my coping strategy during the quarantine, well, thanks to my wife is she bought me this mail order spice packet Ooh. where every month something new came. It's like, all right, so you're going to make these, this sort of South American spice profile. And the next, next week it's an Asian themed. And, and I, I, that really kept me sane. Uh, so I love trying new dishes. I have in my New York times food app. Mm-hmm. At last count, I had about 400 recipes saved. I, I, I have to be honest in full disclosure. I think I've made maybe five of them. I think what I enjoy course, is think, the possibility. I, that's right. I enjoy thinking about what I could cook, mm-hmm. uh, maybe more than actually cooking. But mm-hmm. I love to cook. Okay. I do love to cook. Okay. Um, what do you use to take and keep notes? I have gone through the years through a million different technical options right like meaning i don't use paper and pen mm-hmm. and have it for some time i i have and i have a to, the microsoft to-do list i was on the google to-do list for a number of times i i had uh, a, a myriad of products in the middle there where i would uh would do that i i i'll be honest with you though and this is not healthy i don't recommend it my email dictates a lot of my priorities in my day and I will keep emails and save emails to remind me to, to do things or, and when, and when I, when I'm asked to account for something, you know, I'm, I'm working on a project where I have to go down to, to Richmond and I have to, in essence, uh, represent or defend what we are saying is our enrollment trajectory and why I'm doing that next week. And in order to, thank you. Thank you. I, 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 it will not be to my knowledge contentious, but you never know. Right. Uh, we are, uh, but in order to prepare for that, I am assembling information from a variety of different sources. And I'm, and the way I do that is say, ah, I sent an email to Bob last week that had the file I need. And three weeks ago I was having a conversation with Oof. Alan bird and, and I, and that works for my brain. Okay. Right. It, 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 it's not, it's, again, I think the experts would say, don't let your email serve as your file cabinet. But for me, it absolutely works. Work with what works. Oh, uh, you're right. Absolutely. How about it, Who's that? Is it the, is it Grant Covey or who's the, who's the big organizational expert? I don't know. They, you may, they, are you mixing Adam Grant and Stephen Covey? <laughs> I thought it was the same person. Are you telling me those are two different people? They, they are. They are indeed uh, two distinct Ma- entities. Man. Yeah. My world just Stop collapsed. 
<laughs> Speaking of advice, uh, what's a memorable bit that you have received? Uh, my first boss at the University of Kansas said something to me that was transformative for me. It, it, and it's admission specific. So if you're not an admissions person, you can stop listening. But the uh, it was marketing drives applications, but relationships build enrollment. And, and 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 I've taken that to the bank in my career. I've 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 tried to put marketing in its place, and I try to put relationship management in its place. Uh, as a result, so so it was in it was incredibly transformative for me in the in the sense that it shaped my entire view of the profession in oh, in man. one sentence. I love that. Okay. Last one. Presuming you have a bucket list, name an item on it that you haven't yet checked off. I want to live in Europe. Live in I, Europe? Uh, for a period of time, okay. uh, meaning years. Like, you know, my, my wife and I kind of came late to this idea of international travel uh, together as a couple. And we, we try to go as, as our schedules and finances allow us to, just the two of us. Mm. And we, we recently went to, we spent a, a few days in Holland. Oh, and nice. I was re- I was reminded in that moment of the the attitude. Um, uh oh, did you pick up any of that attitude? No, uh, that audio. Okay. Well, my ring door just went off, um, and <laughs> somebody is at my front door. And I've set up my uh, Amazon Alexa mm-hmm. to notify me when that happens. Okay. So, hey, this uh, I, show I, brought to you by Amazon. <laughs> and that's why I love my ring alarm system. Ding. You should get some. You should get some credit for that. Yep, I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I'm going to go call up uh, Bezos and ask for some sponsorship dollars. Thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah please do. He's he lives in my neighborhood. Oh, you know, he? if you define if you define my neighborhood as you know a hundred mile radius, it works. He he, he he's in the DC <laughs> area. So Europe, I'm there. I mean, I'm not literally there, but I'm. I that sounds wonderful. I thought you were in Denver. Yeah, I am in uh, Denver. Okay, Dad, thanks. <laughs> Um, hey, Burge, I'm going to let you get back to your day job. Um, but uh, this has been fun. Thank you for thank you for coming on the show. It's been great having you, and uh, I admire your approach. I admire the work you do, and I'm I'm just thankful you said yes when I came crawling and begged you to come on the show. Well, I thank you. I am I'm not I'm not kidding around, Ken. I'm a big fan. I like the work of the of the program. I like the work that you do. And more than anything, I admire and I think we we have some commonalities, the two of us, in the way that you integrate humor and levity uh two serious topics and and still move move us forward. So thanks for what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Um I will uh, I will close as I always do by saying uh, may all your big dreams come true, David at least the good ones. And to you, dear listener, thanks for listening. Be well and do well.